everyone, and welcome again to another episode of Budgeting Period, your podcast to help you get out of debt, get on a budget, and basically just realign your finances to go towards the things that you love most. And so today we have a guest on, and I'm so excited to speak with her because she is going to, we're going to talk about things that we don't normally talk about here. And so this is our career and our jobs and, but how it's related, of course, um, our income that comes from our jobs and how can we steward that to create this life that is worth living, right? And so um, I wanna introduce Annie and I want you to tell us just a little bit about yourself. Um, Yeah, for everyone that maybe doesn't know who you are yet. Kelly, thanks for having me on. So basically a little bit about myself. I didn't go straight to college because I come from a poor Chinese immigrant family. So I didn't want to also like take on student loan debt. It's a lot here in the United States. So I didn't go straight to college, just worked a whole string of minimum wage jobs after high school. I think I worked at least like maybe 10. Wow. <laughs> and um, then eventually I did go to college, but I got a online bachelor's degree in communications and coming out, I was working at Domino's Pizza. So this whole thing that people were pressuring me to do all this time, it wasn't that golden ticket for my career to earn more money that they were saying. And um, yeah, just more minimum wage jobs after that. So when my husband and I, we moved from Texas to Boston, I kind of like, I had a change of heart. I was like, I'm moving to a new city. Nobody knows who I am. I don't have a network and I'm really good at personal finance. I've lived on minimum wage. I save like maybe 25 to 50% of our income on while working minimum wage. So I was like, if I can like pinch pennies and work with a really tight budget, then why don't I just help a business with their cash flow? If I can do it for myself, it's just a larger scale for a company, right? At, at least that was my line of thinking when I, I was doing this. So I started applying to 50 accounting jobs a day. And then by the end of that week, I got an offer. And then a couple months later, that manager was so toxic. I was like, it's time for me to look for another job. So I started applying again and I got another offer, but this time in only six days. A year later, um, when I was looking at our budget and I was projecting our financials, I saw that while we would have enough saved up for the down payment of a house, the income part where you have to meet like certain income requirements to qualify for a mortgage, I wouldn't be able to hit that on my income at that place. So I was like, well, it's time to look for a new job. So I started applying again and I got a new job in only five days. That's without an accounting degree. So everyone was telling me, you know, I'm not qualified and things like that. I was like, I don't care what you say, <laughs> you know? So that's what I'm here for today. Anything career related, how to make more money, budget, I love that. And my brain gets terrified because I'm like, oh my God, she's going to make me apply to like a hundred jobs a day. How do I even do that? And, you know, while we'll find out, I guess that might be a tactic. Um, I think there's going to be bigger things to learn um, just between this, the, the conversation that we have. So let's start off with um, one of the first questions that I have. I see you talk about five days to financial clarity. I'm assuming that has to do with you getting the job search in five days. What do you, what, tell us more what you mean by that. So basically, I think it's possible for someone to land a new job with a better salary in only five days because I've done it. You know, I've done it in seven days, six days, then five days. I've met other people. I gave it to my pastor's wife. I gave the book to my pastor's wife. She got a job. She was a stay at home mom for three decades. And then she followed the advice of my book. She got a job in five days. Wow. <laughs> so, so that's what I mean. You know, it, it's, it's basically a results based book, a methodology. 
And what I really teach is how to, if you've read Stephen Covey's high, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the things he talks about is about sharpening the saw before you chop down the tree. Give two people the same task of like chopping down a tree. One person starts chopping and the other guy is like sharpening a saw and he just chops down the tree in one fell swoop, right? So what I'm basically advocating here is to like sharpen that saw and then you start applying. That's awesome. Um, I, I'm, I'm, Right off the bat, what is the saw? What is the thing that you need to sharpen? It is your your personal branding. So a lot of it is your mindset, right? People telling me, oh, this is not possible. Well, already, if you think it's not possible, you're not going to achieve it, right? Oh, I'm not qualified. If you believe you're not qualified, you're not even going to apply for the job. That's also what stops people. So so all those little things, your mindset, um, having an online personal brand published. Another thing is having a really highly targeted resume for the job title that you're going to go after. Um, setting a long-term career plan. Like, let's say if you want to become a hotel manager in 10 years, what promotions will you have to take along the way? Like, what what are the titles to apply to with each subsequent job search? So then therefore, what's the next one you have to apply to? You have to know that. And nobody tells you that, right? You have to make up that plan on your own with your own research. And people don't know how to do that research. So it's like a, a whole set of things, even things like uh, I give advice on how to have a professional headshot for your LinkedIn profile, even little details like that to pay attention to. And then once you have everything put in place, then that's when you start the countdown, the clock, when you start applying to jobs, 50 jobs a day. And then, well, in my case, right, I got the job by, by Friday. <laughs> um, but, you know, if it's a week or, or two weeks even, it, it's still a good record because I was reading that the average job seeker takes six months to land a new job. So I, that's what I was going to say, too, when you said even if it's two weeks, like that's still so much more quick than um, than the average person that is job searching. And if, you know, if you were to say, hey, if you just do X, Y and Z, you'll have a new job in two weeks. I think a lot of people, especially with toxic managers, like you said, are just unhappy in their workplace. I think that's a you know, I think you would jump on that opportunity. Right. And so right now I'm feeling, which is probably what my clients feel, a little bit of this overwhelm, a little bit of this, where do I even begin there? You just listed off so many things that all make such good sense and what I need to um, do to sharpen the saw. Um, but what are like the, the, obviously we should do all of them. Let's start with that. But if I was <laughs> to start off doing something, I have a little bit of time this afternoon. Um, what are like the first three things that you would do? And maybe maybe everyone's different. Maybe it's you start tackling those easy checklist items. Maybe you start tackling the big things first. I don't know. What is your thought? I think the first thing people need to do is they need to start thinking, what is the title? Because I was confused with that for many years. I didn't understand, like there's a ladder that, but no, nobody concretely tangibly lays out what that ladder is for me. <laughs> like if I get an entry-level accounting job, like let's say I start off as a staff accountant, there's staff accountant one, then there's staff accountant two, then there's senior staff accountant. And then there's like a accounting manager, you know, like, like, what does it mean to go up in, in the accounting field all the way up to CFO? Like nobody ever laid it out for me, right? So one of the things that I recommend people do is to basically follow in the footsteps of successful people who have gotten to the title where you want to be. So that's why I say hotel manager, because I, I actually did this exercise with someone. He, he was working as a front desk agent at a hotel. He said he wanted to be a hotel manager. So I was like, let me go on LinkedIn and I'm going to get the free 30 day trial of the premium version. So that way you can look up all sorts of things on the platform with that um, feature. And you can filter out for only people who currently have the title of hotel manager. 
and then open up all those profiles, maybe like 20 different profiles, and then look, take a look at their prior position titles. That will literally like lay it out for you how they got there. And if you see like there's some paths that are like taken over and over again, you can make up that path as well. You have a clear cut path now. It even like one of the things though, you know, because this is budgeting, right? People think like, oh, I'm not qualified because I don't have that education. He was telling me I'm not ever qualified to ever become a hotel manager because I don't have a bachelor's degree in hotel management or in hospitality or, or some BS like that, you know? And then while I was doing that LinkedIn research, I was like, these people have like degrees in geology, psychology, biology, like they run the whole spectrum. There were people with no bachelor's degrees. They all they had was like a $3,000 certificate from eCornell. And that was, that was sufficient for them to become a hotel manager. So what can I say? You know, these, you could pay $100,000 for your degree or you could pay $3,000 for your certificate to become a hotel manager. And I think that message resonates with people so much these days because I, you know, went to college during the time of my parents were like, you're going to college and you're going to take out loans for it and you're just going to do it, right? And then now I think, now that I have a child and I'm thinking about what I want for him, I college isn't the number one option for me or for him or um it's not a requirement anymore these days and i think people are starting to realize that because we all graduated with a lot of student loan debt and not a lot of job um especially not a lot of high paying job and so um i think i think that's going to resonate with people i think people are going to agree that you just need experience or you to get experience like you said start from the bottom work your way up get do all of the 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 paths that it takes to get to that high level role um but then also just i find just be like a hard worker and be dedicated to figure it out right and so always be dedicated to improving to learning the required skills um and to just being open about um where you know you lack and where you need to grow a little bit more to be successful yeah, exactly. That's all you really need. It's not necessarily get the degree, right? Don't let that schooling do the talking for you either. You do your own talking. No, because then my rabbit hole brain goes to like, ooh, because I like to like fixate on the fun parts of a whole big project or task, right? So the project or task might be becoming a hotel manager. And then I could fixate on, so I should get the degree. Okay, so what school should I go to? Ooh, this is fun. Do I want to go to like an East Coast or West Coast school? Do I? And then all of a sudden, you're digging deep into something that is truly not even related. I don't know if you're laughing because you're like, my brain is I'm the same thing. Because the way your your thought logic just went, I was like, that's master procrastination. Right there. Oh, I have a master's degree in that. Absolutely. It's I can find any way to like focus on something else. Um, and it's fun for my right now, right? I get to research schools and look at like what I want to do when I get a dream and all this stuff. But the task of actually, you know, applying for that first level job, the task of actually looking at all those LinkedIn profiles to see what are the paths people took. That's the less fun part. So we'll just, you know, we'll worry about that another day. And then it never happens. So Annie, I know you're, you know what I'm talking about because you talk to people like me all the time, I'm sure. Um, okay. So with that, I know you talk about personal brand um, and it makes sense, right? It make we do, um, we, we figure out the, well, did I cut you off? Did we, do we have a second thing that we need to do? Find the paths of people. That was like one thing no, that you I wanted to- That was one thing. You asked for three, but I gave you one and that Perfect. was like a big one. <laughs> Oh, because you, you know why people that in this itself one. is a big one. I was going to say yeah. she doesn't want us to procrastinate and pick other things that are maybe more fun. And we'll ignore that big one because it seems scary. So we're just going to do the one thing. OK, so with that, um, 
personal brand. How do you let's let's tie these two together because obviously personal brand is a big thing right now. Um, and you're saying that it helps you, you know, get these jobs. And so, what does that mean, personal brand? Is it just LinkedIn? Is it incorporating a resume? Is it tell us what that means? I think the resume is a bare minimum. I mean, like that's a bare minimum that everyone has. But what do you do on your own to stand out, basically, right? Like, so basically, um, what I did, I have no accounting degree, but at that point, I was 22 years old. I had written a book already called um, "1001 Ways to Save Money" because I was living on minimum wage, so all I knew how to do was save money. I was obsessively thinking about it every day. And every night, um, so um, I was like looking for every trick in the book, basically. And then at the end, I was like, "Why don't I just write a whole book about it?" Everyone's asking me how to do it, and and people who are like making five times as much as what I was making were questioning me how I was doing it. So I wrote a whole book on it, and then that's what impressed employers: the the fact that I wrote a book. So it can be it can be anything really. Um, for sure, your LinkedIn because that's the first place. In the professional work world, where people will go to to check you out, but I'll be very honest, they're checking you out on Facebook, yeah, Instagram, YouTube. They will look、um, wherever they can because they want to make sure they're not hiring some sort of like crazy person who is going to do a mass shooting. <laughs> <laughs> If they get upset at work, okay,、um, they, they, you know, how are you psychologically? They want to know,、um, or like, are you the kind of person that starts drama at work because you post a lot of like very divisive, controversial things on social media? So、uh, you have to take care of all of your social media profiles wherever you are online, and then also search your own name. On Google, search your username handles on Google to see what pops up, because you you never know. Like I searched up like Annie Love Pie. That's a username I, I've had since I was thirteen, and I found a Yahoo Answers question. Oh no! That, yeah, that asked like, why is it so warm under the blankets? Why don't I want to leave the bed? And then I answered that question, and it was so cringy. I was like, I can't believe this shows up on the first page of Google. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I. I mean, I think the fact that you just admitted your handle when you were 13 is really brave of you because there—that's something that I do with girlfriends、um, at like a happy hour, or like on a、uh, like when I thought about it for like bachelorette parties specifically is like everyone throws their first email address in like a cup and you have to like guess what everyone's is because they're so cringy and that's basically what the internet is. What is all the first things that you did and then we were decided to put it online for the whole world to see because we didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal back then. And then here we are with these under the blankets Yahoo answers, and、um, we don't need that in our life. And so I actually listened to a podcast recently, and they were talking about with the LinkedIn expert, and、uh, I think she made a really good point. She was saying how she thinks everyone should be in creator mode, and I don't know if you have this an opinion on this or not.、Um, and I'm in creator mode just because I am a creator, I have a podcast, I have a business.、Um, but she said everyone should be because to your point, it helps build your personal brand. You can then do different things in creator mode than if you weren't in creator mode.、Um, but that's where I kind of see, like you said, people can stand out because what what makes you stand out? Do you want to just have a podcast with your best friend for fun? Do you want to just create a PDF of your work to have just like a portfolio? Do You like whatever the thing is、um, in creator mode helps you do that. Yeah, well, I, I think she's right. You know, I'm not asking people to become like full time content creators and influencers that get sponsorship deals. I think I'm being really reasonable when I ask, hey, hey, maybe just write a LinkedIn post or article, just a short 500 word article about this problem that you experienced at work and then how you solve this problem specific to your industry and your job, right? Because who knows whatever you're writing about. Can solve someone else's problem that they're having at their company. 
you're you're basically helping other people out and adding value while at the same time like showcasing your expertise like that you actually know what you're doing and talking about rather than just saying on your resume i have x number of years doing something and this is where i went to school like we, we actually want to verify that you actually do know what you're talking about i just had like a light bulb moment as you were like explaining that it it is it's not necessarily about like when you think about posting on LinkedIn, I think some people we might get overwhelmed because we're like, Ugh, I don't want to just post about my job and what I do at my job and like this new client that I got or this new project that I finished or whatever. Like sometimes that can feel kind of boring or it's your day to day and does anyone else even care? But digging a level deeper, as you were saying, of like solving that problem. And so writing something about not about the project that you completed checkmark, but like what did you learn? What were some things that happened for you to do that item and then write a quick thing about that? And you can just start, you know, churning out content as quick or as slow as you want. Um, but from that angle, instead of just I got a new job, checkmark, hey, LinkedIn, do you want to hear about it? <laughs> yeah, don't make it about yourself. Don't yeah. ever make anything about yourself, not not in your your social media, not even in your job interview. You know, when I go into a job interview, my focus is basically how can I help you? How can I serve you? What can I do for you? What are you struggling with? Why am I here? Right? How can I make a difference in your life? Uh, I'm, I'm not here saying like, look how good I am. Look how smart I am. I'm brilliant. I'm creative. Therefore, I, I deserve to be here. I don't ever have that attitude. I think that's so great. And so what are some of the things that, how do we mess this up? What are some things when people are crafting the, their personal brand, um, what should they avoid or what are some common missteps that you see? Most common misstep is the lack of consistency. So um, across platforms, they are not consistent. You have to think of the internet like a gigantic town hall mm. or, or something like, you know, if you live in a really small town and at some point I did where the population's not even 50,000, I think, I don't know what it really is, but Girl, really your small. definition of small town is really different from my definition. I'm of from small. New York City. That's I'm why City. <laughs> I was like 50,000. Wow. Right. I came from a place with 8 million people, so you'll never run into people. Um, so it's kind of like you go to the grocery store, you see that person. Then you go to church. Oh, my gosh, you're here, too. And then you go jogging, you run into the same person again. That kind of town, you know, uh, the Internet is like that as well. It's just a 2D version, not a 3D version. So basically, if you post on your LinkedIn, the picture is five years old. And then on your Facebook, it's only one year old, but you're looking in a different direction. People can't even looking at your picture. They can't even tell that you're the same person yeah. <laughs> across these platforms. So you have to use the same picture unless oh. you're super famous, unless you're like Oprah and you would recognize her anywhere. Right? Ah. Yeah. So use the same picture same headshot across all your profiles and crop them the same as well you know make sure it's like cropped from shoulders up not from elbows up because the picture is so small it's like it's that's why it's called thumbnail you can hardly see it we want to see your face we want to be able to recognize you that's one of the big mistakes another thing is like the lack of consistency with their name so for for example my name is annie margarita yang um when i was first starting this i googled myself i typed annie yang because that's that's what I go by and um, nothing showed up, even though I had a blog and everything. And I was like, oh, I guess there's too many Annie Yangs in this world. So I decided to be consistent in using Annie Margarita Yang. And then at some point I realized that the way these search engines work is they keep indexing words and phrases. And so if if let's say you want everything tied to your name to all tie back to you specifically, you have to be consistent in your name. 
So for example, the LinkedIn has to say Annie Margarita Yang, not Annie M-Y, right? Facebook, Instagram, all of it, same username handles as well. That way, when people type that into Bing or Google, uh, Brave, you know, DuckDuckGo, it all shows up as yours. Otherwise, if if you're Annie Y, Annie M Y, Annie M Yang, <laughs> this lack of consistency will really hurt you. Like, and it could be a good or a bad thing to your point, right? Because it's either people can't find you or they're just so confused they give up because they are, you know, they don't know which one you are or it's pulling up other people who maybe are like on murder trial charges and you're like, whoa, 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 not me um, to be like, have an extreme example. But I think that makes sense. Like just having consistency, um, just like if you think about branding of big corporations, Target, Pizza Hut you can recognize their logo because it is the same everywhere you go, right? And then Target eventually was able to like remove the word Target and it's just a bullseye and people still know what the heck it is. And so when you start to have your name the same and your picture the same, it's going to be easier to recognize you and know that, you know, you are the person to go to for X, Y, and Z topic. Yeah, that's a great summary of what I just said. (laughs) Yeah, love it. I'm making, I need to vocalize it sometimes to make sure I'm like picking up what you're putting down. And so I'll I'll repeat you, but um, okay. So with personal branding, So we're getting the personal branding down. um, And the idea is to have a bigger income. Do you have, um, I'm just kind of curious, do you have specific thoughts on what you should do with that bigger income? Are you a no debt camp? Are you a use it to live your best life camp? What are, what are you doing with this extra money that, you know, you get after, after your pay raise? Oh yeah. I'm like seriously very conservative with money. You can, you can see, um, saving 25 to 50% of a minimum wage income. So I'm, I have to say I'm super conservative with money because I work so hard to earn it. I don't like to lose it. (laughs) Um, So therefore, I'm very much against debt. Um, So when I my philosophy when it comes to like making more money is basically you live on the income you had before Mm -hmm. and then um, maybe spend half of the new income and then save half of the new income or half of that new income has to go towards some sort of financial related goal that will help you build your wealth, basically. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm pro that too. I think, um, I think, you know, there's all these philosophies and like, when you get a raise, don't give yourself the raise, you know, use it towards other things in the background, or maybe it's paying off debt. Maybe it's just putting it towards savings. But, um, I, I think that scope creep for, you know, life scope creep is really, is a real thing. And we don't want you to do all this work and, um, you know, dive out, dive into all these tactics, get a new job. And then you're just blowing all that extra money. And you're kind of in the exact same situation as where you were before. Um, I think that kind of defeats the purpose. Um, and so having a plan for what you're going to do with all that money, people, um, as Annie is saying, you want to make sure that you have that career, that title, that job title in mind, and you want to go after that, but then um, have some thoughts in the back of your brain too. And like, what are you going to do with that extra money? Because we can't just spend more money if we're making more money. Yeah, that that is a good question to ask because I honestly, I honestly wish I had thought more about it because once I started making a six-figure income and we don't spend that much, like my husband and I combined, we live on our expenses, that's with housing and everything is 60,000 a year. So we're living on just 30,000 per person, basically. So you can imagine just, we're actually very frugal and we live in Boston, so that's like almost nothing. Um, We're very minimal. Um, And so when I started making all this extra money, I was like questioning, I'm so bored out of my mind. Like, is this all it is? I make more money, but then what is it that will really bring me joy? And I, I couldn't answer this question. My friend, because my friend has known me for a long time. He knows that I like to make more money. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. And 
he asked Annie, if you were making $2 million a year, be honest with me, what would you do with that money? Uh, and, and don't tell me you're going to take that $2 million a year and use it to make more money. <laughs> to you know to invest it and turn it into even more money okay what what are you actually going to use that money for and i couldn't answer the question i said maybe i'll hire a driver so that we don't have to drive ourselves or maybe i could hire a chef so then we don't have to cook but he's like he's like you could pay a driver 100k you could pay the chef 100k where's all the other money gonna go that's where my brain went i was like those two people even if paid well are fairly a small percentage of two million dollars i know i know i couldn't answer it and then finally i i realized you know one thing that i always wanted since i was a kid that my parents said we couldn't afford we didn't have the money is i wanted to play piano and so i started learning piano when i was 26. yeah i i went all in i bought like a really expensive piano i got like the best teacher in town so i was like well now that i can't let money stop me it's really it's not even a a matter of money it's a matter of discipline mm. That's a good point. I think, I think making sure, um, and that aligns with what I talk about all the time of like identifying what makes us happy and you putting your money to fund those things. And so maybe you have, um, you know, maybe your goal, and I don't know if this goes against what you teach, but maybe your goal is to just get that hot, that next raise, that next job, just so you can free up some extra money so that you can be in a better position to then make your own choices. Cause I know so many people right now are stuck in jobs they hate, but you know, if it's low income and you hate it, you can't make any money moves or even if it's high income and you hate it, what are you doing with your free time to make sure that you are working in a direction where you can then love your job or at least love your free time outside of your job? Um, and and it could be really sticky. And I so I, I love that you picked up piano because I think that's a great example of, well, what are we going to do? do we, we maybe keep the job with all the extra money, but then what are we going to do with that extra money to um, make ourselves a little bit happier? Yeah, I think that really what matters in the end is what will bring you joy, what will make yeah. you happy. Because I, I think we we never really question that. We we think more money will make us happier, but we haven't questioned, well, what can we do with that more money that will make us happy? Because the money itself is just a tool. It has no inherent value on its own. It's what you do with it that will bring you joy. I feel like um, what will bring you joy, I'm projecting on you. I feel like yours is like finding the next way to get the more money is what brings you joy. So even though <laughs> you don't even need the money anymore, you're just like, okay, but how do I do I more? It. Okay, but, and then if you love it, the chase. I'll be very honest to me in my head, the way my head honestly views this, I've, I viewed it more like a game, like a yeah, board game. Exactly. I, I genuinely view it like a, a puzzle or a board game. That's how I flip furniture on the side. I have a booth at an antique shop and um, it's definitely not money making a ton by any means. It's not the thing that you go into to become a millionaire, um, but I enjoy the chase. I enjoy the thrift. I enjoy finding that thing that the thrift store for a dollar that I could sell for $80. Right. And so it's like that. I think everyone, you know, you have to have that kind of playful piece of and whatever it means in your life, but um, to keep things interesting and to, I don't know, challenge yourself a little bit. Yeah. All right, Annie. Well, where where can we find you? I know you talked about a couple books that you have. So give us a quick little, it doesn't have to be quick, but give us a spiel about, um, you know, what people, what resources you have to offer people so that they can start diving into this. 
Yeah. The best way to get in contact with me and find me is by heading over to AnnieYangFinancial.com. That's A-N-N-I-E-Y-A-N-G Financial.com. My latest book, The Five-Day Job Search, which is the one we were talking about on this show, is available on my site. The audio book is free. So you can download the free five-hour audio book on AnnieYangFinancial.com. Lately, also, because of the things that I've been saying about student loan debt on YouTube, Even though I've had like over a million views on my YouTube channel and 18,000 subscribers, I am getting censored and shadow banned because what I say about student loan debt goes against the mainstream narrative that, you know, that the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. Um, So follow me on TikTok. I will be making more TikTok videos in 2024. So the TikTok handle is AnnieYangFinancial.com. Not even .com. Sorry. AnnieYangFinancial. Just for TikTok. Yeah. I love that. I... Are you allowed to tell us quickly what your crazy views on student loan debt are? Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, um, though. I'm not sure if you're going to call me a crazy conspiracy theorist. Ooh. Yeah, you know, because I've read so much about student loans and the way I see it is like people cannot even think past a year. So they cannot think about this. I, I, I genuinely thought like, why are teachers and well-meaning parents in high school telling you to take on student loan debt, like telling you that this is the path to financial freedom? Are they not? Are, are they stupid? Like, do they not read the news of all these stories of people in 2012 when I was in high school, like coming out and not making money? Right. And I genuinely like had the benefit of the doubt. But seeing how things have played out with like things have only gotten worse. School has only gotten more expensive. And then um, more and more people were defaulting on their loans. So then the government, wow, had a solution. Uh, They came out with a new plan several years ago, the pay as you go plan, pay what you earn plan, you know, pay just a portion of your income and then we'll forgive your student loan debt after X number of years. I read a New York Times article last year that over 50% of borrowers owe more than they originally borrowed for their student loans because of the negative amortization because they they're paying what they can right just a percent and it's not even the minimum payment needed to make a dent in the principal so the interest grew upon interest grew upon interest so then when i thought about it i looked at it i was like there's no way that the government with all its money all its ability to print money and the ability to hire the best advisors consultants in the world did not foresee that this would happen like they did not foresee that this would be the consequence and then when i thought wait if if it was actually they did foresee the consequence and this is actually the outcome they wanted why would they want this outcome can you imagine um if you had student loan debt and even in your old age when it's time to get social security you still owe it they will garnish 15% of your social security income. I mean, our our social security system is bankrupt. Like by the time I retire, I don't think there will be social security. So already on that track, if they already start garnishing the social security, which they, they printed the money to give you the loan to begin with, right? They don't have to pay you social security when it's time for you to retire. I think they wanna basically bankrupt you and make sure you retire and also die with nothing. Wow. And I mean, I, I, I think a lot of um, what you're saying doesn't sound too crazy or far-fetched to me because especially the biggest 
problem that I have with the pay as you the pay that you can afford. Um, P is it the PIF PIFF anyway? Um, it's the pay what you can afford plan, right? Um, if if you also do that, um, at the you know if you pay your student loans for ten years, they automatically get dismissed because of whatever fund rules the government has, but not under certain plans, and that is one of them. And so you have to pay in full for ten years for your student loans to be dismissed after ten years of making payments. Um, for you know some of those benefits of having student loans and having them as a student loan and not a private loan. Um, but if you're doing all these other things like pay as you go or in or deferment even, um, it kind of, you know, puts an X in that and you can't ever get it again. And so I think that's why I personally hate the pay as you or pay what you can afford plan is because um, it disqualifies you right away of getting that um, dismissed after 10 years of payments if you wanted to go that route. Hmm. Yeah. Boo. Um, okay, Annie, well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I think this is a really interesting topic. I think it's good for people to start thinking about, do you have a personal brand? Um, what would it look like? What would that person say? Um, and do you are you consistent across multiple channels? Um, or do you need to have a random picture and a random name on those old accounts that you don't want anyone to find and you want to bury deep down inside the internet? Um, but basically, what can you do to start you know, changing your job and um, changing your situation if it's not working for you. And so um, we'll link everything that Annie has in the show notes here. So definitely check out her book, free audiobook, people. I don't know if you heard that come out of her mouth, but definitely go and get that right now. Um, I'm going to download it and start listening immediately. Um, but thank you, Annie, so much for being on the show with us today. It was, um, I really appreciate it. Kelly, thanks for having me on your show. I'm really grateful. All right. Bye, everyone. 